Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Hanging to a game at Lane Stadium this fall, need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to vividseats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. hangover it's 20 after nine on december 3rd uh it basically took us into this time to figure out you know where virginia tech was going to be playing a bowl game because it took the acc first of all not exactly a banner day for college football i'll say that off the top but it took the acc like all day to figure out who was going where and who was playing where and finally we found out uh, about an hour and a half ago that virginia tech was after all of that going to Annapolis to play in the military bowl a couple days after Christmas against Tulane. So after all that, we got what we anticipated. Give us our flowers. Give us our flowers. We March to this, Annapolis. We called, we called that from together. the jump. We called that after Marshall. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't call it. We almost sarcastically called it like <laughs> facetiously, if you will. And then uh, destiny has its way. Destiny has its way. So within First of all, here's my day, right? Here's my day. I wake up, go to the gym, sit in 
college football playoff selection show. Angry, throw some things, <laughs> leave house, go hang out with my friends where I'm just refreshing Brett McMurphy for seven hours and just like not even really saying anything. They're like watching the NFL. I'm like, oh, guys, you wouldn't believe this. Guess who's playing in the guaranteed rate bowl? But ultimately, uh, a little cherry on top for the old ACC today, not being able to figure out something that should be relatively easy. But we're going to Annapolis. My ticket's booked. Ricky's turning the wheels. Mike lives close enough where not that much foresight is required. Almost none. <laughs> but the march to Annapolis, I think I said it maybe after Pitt. If they go to the military bowl, you can't stop me. I'm going. And I had to remind myself that promise I made to myself, you guys, and our listeners as I uh, you know, forked up a couple hundred bucks to get a flight to Baltimore in late December. <laughs> you you mentioned the guaranteed rate bowl. First of all, shout out to guaranteed rate. Uh they lent me hundreds of thousands of dollars so I could purchase my house. So, you know, <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. They are my shout mortgage. Out them. Do you give them another shout out every month when you pay them back? I, I do. I do. Uh mostly mostly interest, unfortunately. Uh all right. So Hokies are playing against Tulane. Don't worry. If you're here for a college football playoff rant, it's coming. Don't you worry. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk a lot of Virginia Tech off the top, obviously, and then get into that later. Um the Hokies are playing Tulane in the bowl game. And it's a little too early to tell who's gonna be playing, who's not gonna be playing, specifically on Tulane, right? Because I, I think a lot of Virginia Tech's players, certainly that the ones that the Hokies care about are are mostly underclassmen, right? A large majority of Virginia Tech's players, the important players on offense and defense, are underclassmen. And unless they're transferring, they're likely going to be playing in this bowl game uh, if they're healthy. Tulane has a quarterback named Michael Pratt. Guys, if you haven't watched this kid play, he is the second best quarterback Virginia Tech if he plays the bowl game. Big caveat. He will be the second best quarterback Virginia Tech has played all season just behind Jordan Travis. The kid is really, really freaking good. Uh, this Tulane team is pretty decent. Uh, they they did just lose in the American Athletic Conference Championship to SMU. It's a big reason why Tulane is now playing in the Military Bowl instead of playing in one of the large New Year's Six games. Uh, they lost their spot when they lost the bowl game. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, lost Conference Championship game. So they're in a spot now where they're in the Military Bowl, and we'll see how many of their key contributors play in this game. Uh, but a pretty good measuring stick game for the Hokies, I think, especially if Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt plays. So, uh, first of all, what do you guys think of the of the matchup? We don't have to go, obviously. We'll preview the game later. But just off the top, you know, Tech obviously getting to Annapolis and then the team that they're playing. Like, what were your first impressions of just kind of the matchup as a whole? I mean, I'll, I'll say off the jump kind of. Pointing to what you were saying there earlier, Mike, a lot of people like aren't happy with Tulane being in the matchup, and I get it, you know, especially throughout this afternoon when we got that news break that it was going to be West Virginia in Charlotte. Like as much as I've been here on the podcast, preaching the March to Annapolis for months and months and months, I was like, actually, I wouldn't mind a rivalry game that would almost certainly be pretty close to a sellout of an NFL stadium you know, right down the block from me here in Charlotte. So I, I get that's disappointing, but like people want to dog on Tulane. 
Tulane won the Cotton Bowl last year, finished number nine in the country, remained ranked all year. Beat Tulane, if Virginia Tech can manage to beat them, will be the best team, like at least in terms of like SP plus ratings right here, right now, that Virginia Tech has taken down all year. This is a challenge. Now, you're right, Mike. Willie Fritz is off to Houston. Mm -hmm. We saw in 2021 firsthand what that means, uh, you know, for a team going into a bowl game. There's a lot of guys heading to the portal. Uh, That could mean a lot of guys for Tulane saving themselves and opting out of this game. So maybe not as much of a challenge as it otherwise possibly could be. But let's not shrug at Tulane. (laughs) No. Thanks for mentioning. Thanks for mentioning that about Willie Fritz because we haven't recorded in about a week, so I'm a little bit rusty. Yeah, Willie Fritz just took the Houston job, so he's off. He's off. He's leaving Tulane. Uh, he took that job this morning, as we recorded here on great, Sunday. He would have been a great fit for Duke, Mike. He, he would have been, been a great fit for Duke. Would have been a great fit for Georgia Tech too. Don't get Joey started on that one. Please, <laughs> I forgot about that last year. I was going to say, complete side note. I feel like Willie probably just should have stayed at Tulane, all things considered. Uh, I'm not sure that going to Houston's that big of a deal, but back to this, Mike, you and I got into a little joke on Twitter about how you thought this matchup was entirely irrelevant. My. my Whoa, 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 whoa. I I just meant in general, like the bowl. I I think Tulane's good. I just mean in general, like the Virginia Tech's in the military bowl, who they're playing is kind of irrelevant because of the bowl game they're in is all I was, all I meant. So, so my point is just that essentially, as long as Virginia Tech doesn't get blown out in this game, I don't yeah. particularly care what happens. Agreed. Obviously, I want Virginia Tech to win. The three of us are going to be in attendance, and a win would just elevate the hype and the momentum that Virginia Tech has developed over the, the course of the season and getting to a bowl game and beating Virginia, getting to that six-win threshold. So... Like, yeah, the, the, they're playing a really good Tulane team. It's important to note that Tulane's only regular season loss this year was to, I think they finished in the top 12 Ole Miss. Yep. Um, that's a really, really good SEC football team that their only losses this year, I think, were like Georgia and Bama. Uh, or I'm not exactly sure who they lost to, but that was one of the best teams in that conference this year. Uh, a conference, by the way, that could not fulfill all of their uh, bowl slots, which I think is funny. Um, which is why West Virginia is in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. But no, I think this is a really good measuring stick, and it's going to be an opportunity for Virginia Tech's players to put themselves up against a pretty balanced, well-rounded program, a, a program that's done quite well over the last couple seasons in the American and one of the better group of five programs in the country. And like Mike mentioned on Twitter, the most important thing on this is obviously the 15 practices that you get before the actual game itself, getting these younger players extra reps before they go into winter conditioning. Incredibly, incredibly important. It's going to be a fun match. I'm totally fine with Tulane. I'm I'm glad that we got them as opposed to some like seven and five or six Memphis. and six. Yeah. It, it, um, American athletic team. I, I think it actually adds a little bit of juice. I don't know if Tulane's fans are going to travel at all to this game. Uh, hopefully they do. It'll make the atmosphere a bit better uh, in Annapolis. But all things considered, I think we got what we wanted uh, out of this. 
We made the march to Annapolis uh, a bit on this show for the last several weeks. And while I think Andrew obviously would have been going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, given that he resides in the beautiful city of Charlotte, North Carolina. But this being in Annapolis allows all three of us to go. Uh, There's going to be quite a few of our friends that will be in attendance. And if you are going to be in attendance at the Military Bowl, look out for some potential details on a Hokie hangover tailgate, because that is in the works. We will be there. We will be preparing for the game. Two o'clock start. We will be drinking. (laughs) We will be drinking. I hope uh, you guys know I can't cook. I hope one of you guys can, because we'll need breakfast. We do breakfast and lunch at the tailgate. Why not? But in the grand scheme of Military Bowl, which is what we thought we were going to, I mean, hell, two weeks ago, we didn't even necessarily know if we were going to make a bowl game. How can we, we can't go in one week from not knowing if we're going to make a bowl game coming off a season where we didn't make a bowl game to then complaining about bowl opponents. Listen. Listen, I think the only reason why people are even complaining this evening on social media is because they saw the opportunity to potentially play West Virginia in the Mayo Bowl. If West Virginia wasn't the potential opponent in the Mayo Bowl, nobody would care if Virginia Tech drew Tulane and see it as a lesser matchup. I did did not want to go back to Charlotte and play Kentucky again. No, I'm I'm totally fine with not seeing that matchup. Oh, the Kentucky team that just beat Louisville. Like, <laughs> like, yes, I would have loved, running back. I would have loved yeah. to have played West Virginia. Obviously, I think that would be a fun game for everybody involved. But I'm not going to sit here and be mad about going to uh, a game where we're going to play a really good team, I- unless they've got guys that are just dropping left and right. And again, unless Pratt doesn't play, which I guess we'll have to find out and see. Tulane's a good football team, and it is it is the kind of challenge that I think Brent Pry will be able to get his players to embrace and and, and kind of get up for and being and be excited about. It's very easy to overlook a lot of these games. I believe that Pry will be able to get his guys ready to play and get them excited about it. And we got some good news on one end that uh, he's going to keep his best pass rusher. Yeah, uh, this seems important. Antoine Powell Ryland's returning. Uh, he announced on Twitter basically right around the time the college football playoff rankings were revealed. I think right he beat lunchtime. everybody too. The, the, the start of the video made it seem like he was bouncing. <laughs> yeah, I saw the the replies to it were like, yeah, it was that meme. It was like, yeah, you had us in the first half, not going to lie, <laughs> which yeah. I think was fair when you listened to the video. Um, but he's returning, and he had nine and a half sacks this year, and it was more about the pass rush that he produced. I mean, the sacks were great, but you know, even when he wasn't taking the quarterback to the ground, uh, he was holding down that entire side of the defensive line for the entirety of the season. Uh, he was as advertised in the portal uh, coming to Blacksburg and performing the way that he did. He was the one kind of consistent guy this year on in Virginia Tech's front seven, where every, almost every game you were like, yeah, APR had some sort of impact. Even if he didn't have a sack, he he got after the quarterback uh, and, and wreaked havoc. I think retaining him is obviously really important. And the other part of this, too, is that, that he's got room to grow. I mean, the, he, he was inconsistent at times during this year, and there were stretches of the season where it felt like he was starting to, to maybe disappear a little bit. So he's got some room to grow. He's obviously got his eyes on the NFL, and I think that that's fair. I think he could have a, a – 
potential there. So he's going to come in motivated next season and getting him back a, a, a motivated player trying to elevate his case to be a professional guy. I, I think it's a huge win for the Hokies. It solidifies that end of the line. Uh, and it allows you to try and maybe build around him through the portal, uh, potentially, if you're able to find another pass rusher to put alongside him. Yeah, I know we do a whole lot of, well, that was the biggest win since. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, it's been quite some time without positive things happening. But APR has been Virginia Tech's most consistent pass rush presence. Probably you'd have to go back to the 2019 or 2020 season. I know Amari Barno uh, was really good, you know, that one year. So I, I guess you could compare it with that. But, you know, the APR transfer, media went a little bit under the radar because it was after the spring, right? So it was a little bit later in the cycle. December is when, you know, you're more likely to get a little bit of fanfare. And he didn't produce a ton at Florida either. So I think you're right. He did kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, I mean – he said when he came here, he came here for scheme fit. And, I mean, the production was there. <laughs> I guess he liked the scheme. So we're happy to have him back. A little bit worried about the NFL there. Not too worried, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, him returning a, a big boost to defensive line. That that news came with a piece of unfortunate but expected news, I would say. Um Brent Pry announced this afternoon he had a, a small media session with some of the local reporters in Blacksburg uh, on the heels of Virginia Tech's bowl destination being announced. Um, he told reporters that Feldarius Payne will not be returning next season, which if anybody has been following Feldarius Payne, which I know a lot of you have, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries in his college career dating back to his time at Nebraska and obviously missed his entire first season. Uh, at Virginia Tech, I believe it was his Achilles. Is that right? They blew out. I believe so. Um, I think that's right. So, but anyway, uh, obviously entered into the uh, starting lineup and was in the rotation heavily uh, for the second half of the season this year, and was really, really good on the interior defensive line for Virginia Tech. Uh, he will be uh, leaving Virginia Tech's program. Uh, I don't know if he's going to try to pursue a career in the pros or if he's just going to be done with football. Uh, but a hat tip to him. Uh, hopefully he plays in the bowl game. I don't see why he wouldn't uh, give him one last opportunity to make an impact. But yeah, he he was really good. It's unfortunate news because I was hoping that he'd try to exercise another year of eligibility because I know he uh, had an opportunity to try to pursue a, a medical red shirt um, for an additional year of eligibility from at least his most recent injury uh, a year ago. So kind of unfortunate news, especially with how he's played. But I guess not a huge surprise given, you know, he's been in college forever and um, he's had a pretty productive year and uh, it's just one of those things. In my opinion, Feldarius was the most disruptive defensive tackle on the roster this year. And it's, it's a shame that it took him a while to really break into the rotation and get consistent snaps. But uh, being that he was a rotational guy, nine tackles for loss, four sacks, very disruptive guy, kind of fits that mold of slightly undersized defensive tackle who has that kind of quick twitch ability and can get and bust the gaps and find ways to to make plays in the backfield. That's been a staple at Virginia Tech when they've been good essentially since the Bud Foster era. 
You go back to find all sorts of defensive tackles that put up numbers. Phil Darius was certainly a productive guy. And um, given that Virginia Tech is already losing Kendricks and Pollard after the season, you take pain out of that equation as well. And guys, this is going to be a really green, intriguing position group to watch as we go through the offseason to see if Brent Prime makes any additions. Yeah, and Fuga might be out too. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be an entirely new group on the interior defensive line next year. It's going to be largely new anyway. I mean, it definitely speaks to uh, the desperation that Virginia Tech finds themselves in in that position group at this point because they've been rolling with Kendricks and Pollard basically since those dudes were true freshmen. Yeah, I, I think that I remember our first ever game recap on Hokie Hangover five years ago. Us talking about the surprising use of these two true freshmen who were playing because Virginia Tech essentially found themselves in the situation that they're going to find themselves in now. Yep. Where they just weren't bringing anyone back. Everyone had either graduated out or gone to the pros. And we rolled with those two guys for the entirety of their five-year careers in Blacksburg. Payne, who was recruited as an edge guy, was able to really put like a third, fourth guy in the rotation. You know, when you look at Fuga and Ricky, uh, you know, what you said about the eye test there checks out. I was looking at PFF the other day, and I think that Payne, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but he was either number one or top two overall defensive grades this season. Like he was disruptive in a yeah, position I mean, that did. wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, number one for him. Yeah. And I just, I just put this in the chat to you guys while, while you were talking, he got way less snaps at defensive tackle this year than Narelle Pollard and have more tackles for loss in the same amount of sacks. So you want to talk about someone who is efficient on the defensive line. Felderis Payne was that guy. So Disappointing for him because I know he has had adversity uh, kind of face him the entire way in his career. And really, he deserves a lot of credit for even coming into this season and finding a way to break into the rotation after coming through all of these injuries and not just earning a spot in the rotation, but really making an impact on this Virginia Tech defense. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of us wondered coming out of last year if he would even factor. Um, yeah into future rosters right i'm not even talking about like getting in the rotation for snaps just like would he come back to the virginia tech program after that latest injury and he did and credit to him because it's not easy to come off of an achilles tear and all of a sudden um you know be be one of the more productive defensive players on the entire roster right so a uh, really good second half of the year for him a uh, big reason why virginia tech i think found more consistency in the pass rush in the second half of the season he was a big part of that Okay, so that's that's the Virginia Tech football news. We hadn't talked about basketball outside of like real quick towards the end of our last pod uh, when we uh, about a week ago when we were recapping the UVA game. We were talking about Virginia Tech's trip to Orlando and how they went two and one and they lost last Sunday to Florida Atlantic, which was not a gigantic surprise that they lost the game. Um, Virginia Tech played Auburn middle of the week this week and then and lost that game which again not a gigantic surprise but then beat louisville tonight in a game that was closer than anticipated Hokies only hit five three-pointers in this game 
got 20 points from MJ Collins. Uh, Lynn Kidd had a good game. Virginia Tech survives and doesn't lose to Louisville. So that's good, I guess. Um, but I, I think my my takeaway, at least from two out of the last three games, Virginia Tech, I think, faced two teams that athletically are deeper and just more gifted than Florida Atlantic and Auburn. I think those two teams in particular show the limitations of this current Virginia Tech roster would be my takeaway. Yeah, I know for me, I think that my biggest issue, it seems like, is that this team just isn't shooting the ball well. And this is, you know, if you see it once or twice, you say, okay, everyone's going to have an off shooting shooting night, and it's really not that big a deal. But when it seems like it's every time you play a competent opponent, and you, you, you know, you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball. This is an offense that is predicated on shooting the ball well and scoring from outside. That's Mike Young's bread and butter. That's how he has led so many good and efficient and productive offenses throughout his entire coaching career. And this team just has struggled so much from the perimeter. And I think it's really hurting this offense. And I'm not sure what's causing it. I don't know if it's over usage. I don't know if it is, you know, bad decision-making and bad execution on the floor, but this team's got to find ways to knock down more shots. I think that that's as simple. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, the other thing, Lynn kid kind of off and on a little bit. I know Mike, we've gone back and forth on him a little bit, and I'm, I'm still not sure if he's legit in terms of being a impact big man. He, he's got the tools that's there. It's just a matter of him putting it together on a nightly basis. I think he's still trying to figure that out. I still worry about the depth on this team. We're not getting a ton of minutes from Brandon Recksteiner, which I find disappointing. MJ Collins played, came up big tonight, leading score on score, 20 points off an injury. That was good. It was good to see him. That was good. Virginia tech doesn't win this game against Louisville without MJ Collins. So it kind of goes back to where does he fit in the rotation? Cause Tyler nickel had kind of taken over his spot. It seemed like in the starting lineup, but Collins offers you, I think a bit more defense uh, on this team. And if he can start to knock down shots, that's going to really cement him. I think as the, the starting three uh, for this roster, but back where he was. Yeah. I think it all comes down to whether or not this team's going to make shots though. And right now they're just not hitting at a high enough clip in a lot of these important games uh, for us to feel uber confident going into the rest of the season. Only a shade over 34% from three. And this is a volume shooting three point team. So that's not a great sign through the first nine games of the year. No. Yeah, MJ Collins hadn't made a three-point attempt until tonight. Went for three for three, though. Went yeah, three he made, for three tonight. made him tonight. Good thing he did. <laughs> but was 0-4 by my count here in 11 to Mike start Young, the season. Mike Young said that uh, MJ Collins, it was nice to see him show up tonight because MJ Collins, quote, went 0 for November. <laughs> is what Mike Young said, which I mean, pretty it, accurate. Collins in could a not literal make a sense, shot in November. Fact check, true. Yeah, we're talking about three point shots. That is entirely accurate. So yep. good to see him get back in it. Just glad we didn't lose to Louisville because last night at the ACC championship game, I was talking to some Louisville fans. 
they were kind of coming at me a little bit. I was rooting for Florida State, despite wearing entirely neutral ACC gear <laughs> to the game. Andrew had back check the gray ACC hat. <laughs> back check on the neutrality. True. Yes, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, but the guys were like, you're not a true neutral. You're rooting for Florida State. I said, well, I'm rooting for the conference. Here. <laughs> didn't end up mattering say, anyway. As it we'll turned out, that. it didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of retroactively takes the juice out of that one. But Wind me up and let me go on yeah, that one. We can get neither here nor there. But I was talking to these Louisville fans. We eventually kind of made up. And I asked them, I said, what's going on with your basketball program? Like, how have we allowed things to get this bad? And they were really drunk, hard to understand, but it would have been kind of embarrassing for me to ask that and then come out and lose to that down so bad program the next day. So yeah, I don't know. This team's got to figure it out. In my in my opinion, I don't want to lose a, a game in the month of December. Well, you know, we're getting I mean, into a very slow four, season. Yeah. Next four, Andrew, to your point, not wanting to lose a game in the month of December. Tell me which one of these is not winnable. Valparaiso, Vermont, um, I, I, Vermont. By the way, uh, they they go to tournaments and stuff. They're they're not bad. American, Wake Forest, who's looked interesting so far, like mediocre interesting. Uh, those are four winnable games, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Those are four winnable games. Not to say like that Virginia you... Tech couldn't drop one because they certainly can, but those are four winnable ones. Yeah, I feel like they've got to go. Three and one would almost feel disappointing. So I, I think that they really need to go four and zero, especially since they really start to hit the meat of the schedule right around that point. Right, they got a road trip to Florida State, and they host Clemson, they host Miami, and then a trip to John Paul. So really going to have to try and stack up these wins when you can get them because if they're going to shoot at this, um, at this poor rate. Yeah, in ACC play, wins are going to be really hard to come by. Yeah, I mean, I think four and zero is the bare minimum for me to go into twenty twenty four and say I still feel very good about this team being like NCAA tournament quality, mm -hmm. like into uh, conference play. Yeah, if it's a if it's a close loss against Wake, what have you? But you know, if you're losing home games to Valpo, Vermont. American, you know, it's, it's only going to get tougher. And for that good data point that you have in the Iowa State win, you also have two, we're not up there, we're not there yet data points with big blowout losses against FAU and an Auburn team that, uh, did they end up losing to Appalachian State today? I believe they did, right? They did. So not everyone's out of their league. Just say, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't so much frustrated that they lost to Florida Atlantic and Auburn. I was frustrated that they got blown out. Yeah, got... Atlantic. I, I, I aware that I'm aware that Florida Atlantic is a very good team, but losing by 34 to anybody is is going to be frustrating. And I think it kind of says something about where you're at as a, as a team. And then the Auburn game, they just dug themselves such a hole early. Early, oh. it, felt, it felt like they were dead in the water first 10 minutes of the game so you've got to find a way to be competitive in some of these games that you're 
you're not the favorite in. Just because you're playing a tough team doesn't mean that you can get away with a 15-point loss. You have to find a way to at least be competitive, and you got to find a way to steal some of those games. Yeah, it was interesting, right? Because like coming out of the FAU game, I was like, all right, look, this team was in the Final Four last year. That game got away from you a little bit, right? Had a really, really cold shooting night. I'm thinking, all right, got away from you a little bit. Let's see how this team looks at Auburn. First 10 minutes in the Auburn game, I mean, Tex turned the ball over left and right. They're not making any shots. They had like four points in had, like eight minutes. Just dug themselves into a gigantic hole. And then I thought they settled in really well in the back half of the first half. Like I thought the last like eight or nine minutes, they settled in really well. And I thought we're playing a lot better. But at that point, the damage was already done. They had dug themselves a double-digit deficit and a pretty hefty one, right? It was between 13 and 15 points there for a while. They really couldn't get over that hump. And then Auburn, to their credit, like, they kept Virginia Tech at arm's length for most of the second half. Like, the Hokies were fighting, trying to get back into it. Then Auburn went on a late scoring run, and that was it, right? So Virginia Tech let two games get away from them in kind of two different ways, right? Like, the game against Florida Atlantic, Tech hung around a little bit in the first half, and it was a late run at the end of the half of Florida Atlantic and an early run in the second half that really put the Hokies away. The Auburn game, it was the first 10 minutes of the game, and then for like a four-minute stretch in the second half where Auburn really put the clamps on them, and that was that. So two frustrating losses. Virginia Tech has that South Carolina loss um, from earlier in the month that looked bad on paper, I think, coming into the year because a lot of people were expecting South Carolina to be the worst team in the SEC. South Carolina looks pretty good so far. Um, so at this point in time, Virginia Tech's got three losses. None of them look all that bad. At the, I mean, they look bad from a margin standpoint, but just like from a strict resume standpoint, like the fact that you lost the game, none of the three losses at this point in time look bad, right? So that makes it all the more important to pick up these four wins here in the month of December um, here down the stretch. Uh, I call it down the stretch because Virginia Tech does not play a lot of basketball here in December. Uh, we're seeing here December 3rd, obviously finals are coming up. They schedule basketball games around finals. Virginia Tech's only got four games remaining this month, right, after tonight. So um, I say down the stretch, even though it's only December 3rd. Uh, but, yeah, three non-conference games that are all winnable. The Vermont game, I think, is going to be a pretty good measuring stick game because Vermont's like a team that's typically in the mix uh, to get to the NCAA tournament. And usually when they get there, they're a trendy upset pick. So they usually get like a 13 seed or something like that, and they're in like a favorable matchup. That will not be an easy game. Virginia Tech getting that win would be pretty good. I think Vermont, I think it's definitely a potential tournament team down the line if they win their conference. And then winning against Wake at the end of the month, right before the start of the new year, I think that's an important game too, right? Like Wake is one of those games, I think, in ACC play with the way Wake Forest has looked so far. That's one of those 50-50 games that you have to have, right? And to stack up a second conference win, right? To go 2-0 and in conference to start, I think is really important too. So... Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll monitor um, the Hokies through the month of December on the men's side. Uh, women's side lost LSU. I was just I watched a lot of that. That was really frustrating Thursday night. That I they need to have they need somebody outside of of Georgia and Liz to give them any sort of offensive consistency. Like Kayla King, I think is it, but she's been struggling from the field so far this year. But she plays really good defense. And you're obviously not going to take her off the floor. But they need somebody else. They need like a consistent 3A, 3B option, right? Because right now it's a lot of Kitley and Amor carrying them. And I think when you run into some of these top teams, right, especially LSU, 
because you didn't see this in Virginia Tech's loss to Iowa, right? It was really just Caitlin Clark scoring 44 points or whatever it was. But what you saw against LSU is LSU is so well-rounded, right? Like Angel Reese is the highlight and she's like the headliner, which I understand because she's really, really good. But they are stacked around her. Um, really good young players on that team. They're re- really well-rounded. They have three and four scoring options. Virginia Tech doesn't have that right now. Kenny Brooks was alluding to that after the game. They have two players in double figures, boys. It's not going to cut it. Not against that caliber of competition. They can get through a lot of ACC play like this, right? Yeah. I mean, they they can they can just roll with Georgia and Liz and get through a bulk of conference play and be totally fine. <laughs> they could they could potentially win the league with, with those two players, but when they get to this level of competition, the the LSU's in particular, the Iowas of the world. You look at UConn, you look at South Carolina, you look at what Notre Dame's doing. Notre Dame's got, a, they're off to a real strong start. They have um, a couple really, really good young players um, to pair with Olivia Miles. They're good. And I just think Virginia Tech needs to find a, cons- a consistent third scoring option because right now they don't have it. They need to develop one. Yeah, it just makes you miss uh, Kayana Trailer and Taylor Sewell, right? I know that they were not the headliners by any means last season just because you had Titley, who speaks for herself. Georgia Amor is a dynamic player. Like you get why they're the headliners. But Kayana Trailer was a former all Big Ten player at Purdue. And Taylor Stool was the best player for I think four years at Boston College. Like if that's your fourth and fifth best player and even maybe more importantly so their style of play meshes with the players you have at the top. That's how you get the magical run. And I don't think the additions that the women's team has made uh, are playing their best right now. And they're certainly still gelling, right? So I don't know what this team's going to look like in March. Ultimately, that's really all that matters. But, I mean, it's the task of Kenny Brooks right now to figure out, like, how to get this going fast. Yeah. I, I mean, this is going to be a, a team that's, uh, at at worst, a t- I mean, injuries aside, barring injuries, this is a team that has a ceiling of a one seed and a floor of, like, a three in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this is all about getting this team ready for March. That's what this is going to be the entire year. Um, and there are some good teams in the ACC, but I think with, with, you know, Kitley and George Amor, you give yourself a fighting chance in every game you play. It's just a matter of, you know, the ceiling that this team reaches is going to come down to who develops as that third and fourth option. And Kayla King's a good shooter, right? But she, I mean, most of her attempts in her career, over 90% of them entering the season were from three point land. Like she is a a three-point sharpshooter, and that is her game. You need another slasher, like somebody else to get to the basket. And I don't know if it's Olivia Sumiel. I don't know if she develops into that role. Matilda Eck has a little bit of that in her game, but she's mostly another three-point sharpshooter. Like, they just have to have somebody else to, to step in and be more consistent offensively to help them out. Both Matilda and Rose were double-digit scorers last year, so going to have to get a bit more out of them. Yeah. And Rose Michaud, too, like, 
she was playing an entirely different position in Minnesota, right? Like she was playing the five. She's playing the four now in a different system, obviously, because you're not going to move Kitley out the five. Like it's a little bit different. Um, so she's still trying to find her footing. I think she can. I think she can develop into that player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, you kind of see there's still some some growing left to do with this team for sure. So that's basketball. Guys, I, I wanted to save the last like 15 or 20 minutes of this podcast tonight to go on a little bit of a rant. And I'm just kind of, you know, I'm getting the juices flowing for my ACC pod. I'm recording at 1030. <laughs> um, Florida State, uh, they they completed their perfect season. They went 13-0. and I, I know this is what a lot of you came here for tonight. So sorry that we took like 35 minutes to get to this point. But I just, we had to get the Virginia Tech stuff at, at the front. Had to do it. Uh. Florida State completed a 13-0 season. They beat Louisville 16-6, dominating defensive performance. Uh, Florida State was starting a true freshman quarterback, which apparently was something that was held against them this afternoon with the final rankings. Uh, They're fifth in the final college football playoff rankings. They are the first undefeated Power 5 conference team to be left out of the top four and not have an opportunity to play for a national championship in the college football playoff era. Instead, Alabama, 12 and one, uh, a, a, a des- certainly a deserving team, a deserving option that they, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Uh, they're, they're fourth. Texas is third, 12 and one, beat the breaks off Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Washington's two after a really impressive win against Oregon on Friday night to win the Pac-12. And then Michigan just ripped Iowa limb for limb in the Big Ten championship as anticipated. I I can't believe Florida State was left out. Um, This just simply signals to me two things in particular. Number one, the committee is setting a precedent in the final year of the college football playoff rankings with four teams that the games that take place on the field don't really matter. And if they want to make the argument that they do, it's only a select handful of games. Uh, Alabama is in because of eye test, even though Alabama barely beat Auburn a week ago on fourth and 31, an Auburn team that one week prior lost by three touchdowns to New Mexico state who didn't even win conference USA. Shout out Jerry kill. Shout out Jerry kill lost by <laughs> lost by three scores at Jordan Hare at home and Alabama barely beat that team. It was a miracle throw by Jalen Milrow to win that game. But, you know, I test because they beat Georgia yesterday. All of a sudden throw out all the, all the other results, throw out the fact that they barely beat South Florida, throw out the fact that they barely beat a four and eight Arkansas team, throw out the fact that they were trailing at halftime to Tennessee, throw all that out because they beat Georgia yesterday. Georgia that that everybody's saying is the best team in the country, which is interesting because Georgia didn't even make the college football playoff. What are we doing here? I, I, it's it, it's you can say four best or you can say four most deserving, but for nine years, it was the four most deserving teams. That's why Cincinnati made a college football playoff, guys. That's why an undefeated G five team got in, is because it was most deserving. Today they decided that it was going to be the four best teams. And by the way, I don't even think this is the four best teams. I think Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. So if we're doing eye test, maybe Georgia should be in. I, Frankly, I don't get Ohio it. State would probably be in too. And Ohio State might be in too. I don't get I just don't 
Well, and the in the I other part, of, yeah. So I thought it was interesting when the rankings came out that Florida State, which was penalized for their starting quarterback breaking their leg, and then the backup quarterback going into the concussion protocol, um, that they were penalized because they didn't think that this version of Florida State was good enough. But Georgia was behind them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like either, either you think Florida State good is point. significantly impacted That's by by their which that is a listed criteria for the committee. So I I, I understand that it, that plays a role. I'm not sure how much of a big of a role it should play. But if the whole argument is, well, this isn't the same Florida State team. Okay, well, are you are you going to try and then tell me that Florida State is going to beat Georgia? Because you ranked them ahead of Georgia. We'll we'll find out in a few weeks, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> give me a break. I, um, I, I'm I I am in no way surprised. I expected this to happen. I did not think Florida State was going to make the the college football playoff. Unfortunately, recency bias reigns supreme. And what you do in the last two to three weeks is, I guess, really all that matters, which I think it's important to note that Florida State went on the road against a plucky Florida bunch and won that game pretty handily with their backup quarterback, who most likely would have been available for the college football playoff, considering Mm -hmm. it's just a concussion. He he probably could have made himself healthy by then. Um, Yeah, a month and a half on a concussion is usually good. Yeah, yeah, usually. Andrew, Andrew, I have a quick question for you real fast. Um, should Florida State have lied about the severity of Jordan Travis's injury? I'm wondering. Clearly, yes. I'm wondering yes. if they just said that Jordan Travis was week to week and that there was a chance he could play in the college football playoff, would Florida State have made the field? Do you know what? No. They wouldn't. They, probably would have they, helped they, their they, they were going to find a way to delegitimize the ACC and get the SEC champion in there no matter what. If there, was a, a, if there was a year to leave the SEC champ out, this was the year, right? This, this, was, the was, year. The, this was the first time in the existence of this structure where we really had more than four teams that were deserving of a shot at playing in the national championship. And when you have your, when you have an SEC champion, that's, has kind of a, a spotted resume like Alabama does. This would have been the year to leave them out, especially considering they had a head-to-head loss against one of the teams inside the college football playoff with Texas. Um, guys, I've, I've been saying this for weeks. We need to bring back the computers. The BCS was a far better solution. Amazing. And everybody's and will, yelling for the playoff. And, and then... I will and I will um come clean and admit my role, my complicit, my complicity in allowing this system to be brought about and exist. That's, that's brave of you. Because well, yeah, because I was among that group that said the BCS sucks. Mm-hmm. Is this any better? Like, this is worse. It, yeah, I would argue it is. And I think we would be much better served having some sort of objective, transparent metric that, you know, some collection of, of ADs and athletic and college presidents agree upon 
that judges these teams objectively and fairly. And there's 100% transparency, so everyone knows what goes into the data. And you get one freaking number, and that's how you gauge these teams. Is that going to be a perfect system? Absolutely not. Is it going to be more fair and open and honest than what the hell we have going on right now? Because you know know exactly what the criteria is. Yeah, exactly. And going to 12 is not going to make – it's not going to change anything. Everyone keeps saying that going to 12 and expanding the playoff is going to make things better. No, it's not. We're going to do this every fucking year where we're going to bitch and moan about the final three spots in the college football playoff. So until you get rid of these 13 asshats in a room and you start using some sort of objective standard to determine who gets a shot at playing for a national championship, we're going to do this bullshit every year. And I'm, I'm over it. I'm tired of hearing all of these pundits like Greg McElroy on the damn college football playoff show telling us how amazing Bam is. No shit. Of course you think that that's a good idea, right? Like, Former I'm, Alabama quarterback thinks that's yeah. incredible that Flor- that Alabama. Oh, by the way, Florida State, right? Greg McElroy says Florida State, you know, they, they shouldn't have been in because, you know, it wouldn't have been a great matchup. But then he two minutes later, right, because they, they preview Alabama in, in the um, in the college football playoff, Alabama playing against Michigan and McElroy's hyping up the matchup and talk about how Florida State would not have been able to compete with their backup quarterback. And then two minutes later, talks about how great the, the Orange Bowl is going to be between Florida State and Georgia. Two minutes later, he's talking about that. Are you in, are you insane? Like, we know why he's doing it, obviously, right? This he's is, a former Alabama quarterback. But, I mean, come on, dude. I, totally this, disingenuous. This is not gymnastics. There should not be judges. We need to have an objective, transparent standard to figure this out. And the committee is not the answer. Well, look, there's a couple things, right? Number one being, so the college football playoff rankings are taking into account, which we they had never before, but now they decided to pull out, you know, Article 4, Section D, we can decide that because you have an injury on your team that you're not qualified. Well, great. Okay. You've never done that before, but it's within your power. Florida State was number four. They won. And they go down. Like, You weren't taking that into account previously. By that logic, there is nothing they could have done. There is nothing they could have done. Because Texas is going to beat number 20 Oklahoma State regardless. Yeah. Texas is number three. So let's imagine that Georgia wins that game. Yeah, Alabama's out. It just means you're letting Texas hop. Florida State, they never stood a shot to begin with. Yep. And if Oregon beats Washington, what leads me to believe they wouldn't let Oregon hop Florida State? Oh, yeah. Oregon would have. Yeah. That Oregon beats Washington. They're in. Yeah. Nah, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. I'm with like, you. They're in. <laughs> like, they're in. What more could Florida State have done? You play the teams in front of them. 
You play the teams in front of you. Uh, what more and could they have done? Their quarterback shouldn't have gotten hurt, apparently. Yeah, their quarterback and, shouldn't yeah. have gotten hurt. Again, I don't Which, even buy it. I don't buy it. I think that if Jordan Travis is still the quarterback and the situation plays out exactly the same, they're not going to leave the SEC championship team out of the college football playoffs. Maybe not. I mean, I, I, I want to argue against you there, but I'm not sure I can. And for and all the crazy SEC, you know, all the crazy uh, they, they were calling them conspiracy theorists, right? Like everybody's saying, oh, they will never do wrong by the SEC. Those people don't look so crazy anymore, do they? Right? Like everybody else was talking about, oh no, they'll they'll leave him out. They'll they'll do the right thing. No, the committee's not going to do the right thing, especially not in the final year where there's four teams. Because I'll tell you what, the thing that they can point to is the fact that oh look, see like. Florida State got we screwed Florida State but look we don't need to worry about it because this is why we need an expanded playoff like that's what they'll point to as a television network and by the way Kirk Herbstreet that you will not find I'm gonna go on a, on a small rant you will not find a bigger fan of Kirk Herbstreet than myself I love Kirk Herbstreet think he's great on game day I think he's great he's a great color commentator I think he is a poster child for a lot of good stuff with the sport of college football, how much he cares about it. He is a spokesperson for it. Today was one of those days where I totally disagreed with him because he defended Alabama being in the playoff, talking about how Florida State's a totally different team. I totally agree with that. Florida State is a totally different team. Not The three of us aren't going to sit here, and at least we're not going to – we're going to be honest about this, right? Obviously, Florida State without Jordan Travis is a much different team than Florida State with Jordan Travis. None of us are going to argue that point. Obviously, I think Alabama at full strength will give Michigan more of a game than Florida State would with a backup quarterback. But I don't know that for sure. Also, you don't know that for sure. And that's why you need to play the games. Kirk Herbstreet who's talking about how Alabama should have gotten in the playoff at number four wasn't saying the same thing in 2014 when his alma mater, Ohio State, got in the playoff at 12-1 and with their third-string quarterback, Cardell Jones, and went on to win the national championship. And for the people that say, oh, that's different, because Ohio State, they won their Big Ten championship 59 to nothing against a very flawed Wisconsin team. Who did uh, – somebody remind me. What was Ohio State's loss that year? Oh, I remember. Six-win Virginia Tech at home in Columbus. That lost, lost in – that East loss, Carolina the next week. That loss didn't look particularly good at the end of the year, did it? And they got in anyway with their third-string quarterback, by the way, and won the whole thing. Florida State, by the way, they won't even be on their third-string quarterback in, in a potential playoff scenario. They would be on their second-string quarterback because, like Andrew mentioned so eloquently a few minutes ago, generally when you have six weeks, a concussion's okay, right? Unless you're real fucked up, a concussion's generally okay after six weeks, right? Rotomaker's probably playing in the semifinal, right? If Florida state makes it. So it's not even, a, not even the same scenario. And, for, and people are arguing with me on Twitter today, trying to tell me that, Oh, this floor, that, 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 you know, Ohio state team would have mopped the floor with this Florida state team. Yeah. It, it's easy to say that in hindsight, because Ohio state won the national championship. We'll never know if Florida state would have won the national title. We have no idea because you didn't give them the opportunity. It's the four. It should be the four most deserving teams. The thing I'm most upset about is for nine years, it was the four most deserving. This year, they decided it was the four best by their criteria. 
one of their four best teams was Alabama because they have the best win in the country against Georgia. No, the best win in the country is Texas because Texas beat Alabama by, by 10 points in Tuscaloosa, right? If you're saying that the best win of the year is Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC title game, then you're saying the quiet part out loud. Texas actually has the best win in college football this year because Texas beat Alabama by two scores in Tuscaloosa. Guys, I don't have the data in front of me, but something tells me that Nick Saban hasn't lost by two scores to a non-conference opponent at home very often in his tenure, right? Like maybe he hasn't that lost period very often in his tenure. Maybe, just maybe, that was the only time he's lost by double digits to a non-conference opponent in Tuscaloosa. So it's it's just... I understand, right? This is a TV ratings thing. Let's not kid ourselves, right? It's not lost on me that the SEC, ESPN has the SEC's television rights, and ESPN got this whole college football playoff thing started. It's a made-for-TV thing for the final six weeks of the regular season. It's not lost on me that all of a sudden ESPN gets Alabama in in the final year that's the top four right before ESPN and and the SEC are executing their TV deal. Don't tell me that has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with it. Because I'll tell you what, this college football playoff is going to be awesome. Okay? It's going to be really good. Really, really good. Right? I think the Michigan-Alabama game has a chance to be really good. I think the Washington-Texas semifinal is going to be incredible. I think it's going to be a really, really good college football playoff that shatters TV ratings. And that is all these people care about. That's all the committee cares about. And anybody who pretends anything other than that is just kidding themselves. Does does Florida State pull a Central Florida? And if they win the Orange Bowl, do they get to claim an unofficial national They'll absolutely do it. They'll absolutely do it. They'll absolutely do it. They'll absolutely do it. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. They'll go 14 and 0. Oh, oh, by the way, <laughs> they'll go 14 and 0, especially if the champion ends up being a one loss team. Yeah. Yeah. If it's Texas or Washington, I'm sorry, uh, not Washington. If it's uh, Texas or Alabama winning the entire thing, yeah. They're going to claim themselves as a co national champion, 1000%. They might do it anyway, but especially if it's a one loss team that wins the playoff. As they should. As they, they will do if, if they beat Georgia, they will claim the national championship. No doubt in my mind. And it's rightfully so. This is a power five team who ran the table. And by the way, I mean, what's the win streak? Like 19 or something like that? From halfway through last year, they haven't lost. You can't control the teams you play. You can't control injuries. But this group has not only won every game in front of them, they have won them all handily. And that's not something you can say about Alabama, and it's not really something you can say about Texas. You pointed out the individual names. South Florida, Arkansas, Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State. By three touchdowns at home. One week prior. One week prior, not like in September. And then an Alabama team whose best win is beating a Georgia team who won week prior. And I'm not going to take away from the fact that Georgia's won two straight national championships. 29 in a row, all that. 29 in a row. Georgia Tech kept it to a one-score game with them. Mm-hmm. If the ACC is that bad, and I'm not here to try to say 
the ACC is a better football conference than the SEC or the Big Ten. That would just be lying to you. Hold on, but hold on. Florida State can hang in there with any of those teams. With Jordan Travis, I would figure they'd give Michigan a very good game. Even without Jordan Travis, I'll be interested to see what the spread is coming out against Georgia. And I'll be interested to see how they hang in there. With their defense and their defense, the way their defense played last night against a a really good Louisville offense. A Louisville offense that was scoring 30-some-odd points a game. Six points. Six points. Two field goals. Two yards per carry. It was, and I was there in person, one of the most dominant performances I had ever seen. Especially knowing what a Louisville offense is capable of against an average team. And, you know, we can flip coins, say this and that, you know. If Louisville doesn't lose to Kentucky in the final two minutes of a a very disappointing game for them in a very good season, you know, that would have been like the number eight team in the country. And you held up to six points. Is that not worth anything to you? It, it, It pains me to see. You know, a program in Florida State who goes out and schedules LSU has to play Florida every year. You win both those games. You sweep the rest with relative ease. And there's still nothing you can do. I don't know, man. Which Power 5 conference has the most bowl-eligible teams, gentlemen? That'd be the ACC. I know. Yeah. That would be the ACC. That would be the ACC. So as much shit as we want to talk about the ACC this year, and some of it's warranted, right? The top of the conference was uh, kind of mediocre. It it was not a bad conference. It It was relatively deep in terms of competence. And the SEC, like I mentioned earlier, the SEC does not have enough bowl-eligible programs to fill all of their bowl slots. It was a down year for the SEC. Which is why West Virginia is playing in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. So that's not the only like point like in the whole discussion of SEC versus ACC. But it's certainly something that I have not seen talked about at all amongst the national media. So I think that's important to throw out there. The ACC was not as bad of a conference this year as some are making it out to be. And I think it's important to clarify that. So this will certainly delegitimize the committee moving forward amongst the, the average fan. Um, you're going to have lots of consternation in, in future years until there's some sort of change made. Like I said earlier, going to 12 teams isn't going to change a damn thing. All it's going to do oh, is mean people instead gonna... of arguing about Florida State and Alabama, we're going to be arguing about Ole Miss and Penn State. We're going to be arguing about Clemson potentially and and Georgia or Clemson and LSU. My it's not per- going to change anything. My personal promise is that I will not be arguing about the 12th and 13th teams who have already lost three games. The somebody argument will. somebody <laughs> will. It won't be me, but I guarantee you, Ricky. 
that the one argument that I think uh, that people maybe aren't thinking about, because I think everybody just shoots to like, okay, what's the next thing, right? Everybody's arguing about who the fourth best team is. So now they'll be arguing about who the 12th best team is, right? Or I guess the 11th before, you know, the group of five automatic bid, who's going to be that like 11th or 12th best team. I, I don't even go that far. I think about the seeding. People are going to oh, be complaining yeah. about how the teams are seeded. One through, so that's going to be the next thing, even more so than who the twelfth, because the twelfth and third, the the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth team, like that first team left out of the twelfth team playoff, totally irrelevant. They're going to lose three games. They're going to go nine and three. At at best, they're going to be ten and two, and they're going to be a non conference. But what do we do every March? I know that, but they're going to be a non conference. They're going to be a non non conference winner, right? They're, they're going to be an probably an at-large P5 because let's be honest with ourselves. No, they're not putting two G5s in. Let's be let's be honest with ourselves. It's going to be a P5 or Notre Dame, right? That they're arguing about, and that team is not going to have a prayer of winning the national championship. Like this is still, guys. The top four teams, the top five or the four or five teams in the sport are still going to be the top four or five teams in the sport every year. Like, and I I know that we rotate like the the fourth or fifth team. We always rotate them. But Alabama, as long as Saban's there, Georgia is still going to be there. Texas with what Sarkeesian's building, they're still going to be there. Ohio State and Michigan are still going to be there. Those teams are still going to be the ones competing for the national title. I know they think like expanding at 12, it's access and more teams are going to have a chance to win the national title. I guess by letter of the law, yeah, that's true. But if we're being on and, and you know what, at least we'll get to decide it on the field, right? At least we'll get to decide it on the field. But if we're being honest with ourselves, it's still likely, very, very high likelihood we're going to end up in the same spot we always do with the elite blue chip level teams. They're recruiting five star athletes all over the field. Those are going to be the ones playing for a national title. There's a reason why there's only a handful of teams in the sport that can win a national championship, right? And those are the teams that are going to be there at the end. But at least we'll have the TV ratings, for Christ's sake. I was going to say the biggest guarantee we're going to get out of this is that ESPN will continue making money. Death taxes and ESPN and Fox and CBS printing. Thank, <laughs> thank God for that. I, Mike, you say you'll never, uh, you'll never get worked up in a tizzy. Hold me to this. it. Hold me to just, it on the twelfth team. Just Hold wait. To it. Just wait. Until until God, God willing. God yeah. willing, Brett Pry gets the wheels turning on this thing. That's the exception. Virginia Tech has a. <laughs> That's the exception. Already throwing uh, out caveats. Virginia Tech has a loss to Clemson in the regular season and a loss to Florida uh... State in the championship. And it's a two-loss Virginia Tech and a three-loss SEC Oklahoma. And they jump us. And, you know, Oklahoma just beat a team that lost to Jerry Kill in New Mexico State. (laughs) The the other exception will be Boston College because whatever BC's record is, Mike will – make sure he campaigns against Boston College. That's correct. There's only yeah. so many University of Albany you can play. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. Um I, I the the one the one last comment I want to make is I am looking forward to the SEC Big Ten challenge in the college football playoff. I am looking forward to that. Because we got got Washington we snuck Washington in uh who will be in the Big Ten next year. And of course we snuck Texas in there, which will be in the uh well we really snuck Alabama in, but Texas is going to be in the SEC next year as well. So we got two Big Ten teams, two SEC teams. So that, that's good. Gross. said it before, I'll say it again. I love the ACC. I grew up a Duke fan. Well Went to Virginia it. Tech. Love the ACC. It's sad. It's, it's really toast. sad right now. 
it's toast. <laughs> yeah, ACC's toast. Uh, guys, uh, the one final thing, rate, review, and subscribe. I snuck it in there before Ricky did. Yeah. Uh, if you liked my uh, Charlottesville College of the Performing Arts joke <laughs> on the last podcast, we got something cooking up for you. Yes. yes. Very, very soon. Like, we're, we're knee-deep in something. So we'll have an announcement soon on that. If you like that comment, I don't want to spoil it, but we got something good coming. Review, review the podcast. Anywhere, anywhere you listen, please rate and review. It really helps us out. And follow slash subscribe. Follow and subscribe. Yep. Shout out to anyone. Shout out to anyone who we were in their Spotify raps. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. That's cool. A lot of feedback there. So we appreciate that. All right, guys, uh, we'll come back and talk maybe this week, maybe next Probably week. Probably going to be a bit more movement in the portal, so we'll bring that up. There have been a couple small leaves on Virginia Tech side that we didn't mention tonight, and there's a reason why we didn't mention them tonight. They're not really all that impactful. So we'll probably do kind of a, a full portal review, kind of see where some of Virginia Tech's targets are, and we'll have some more basketball to review and then we'll maybe start digging a little deep into Tulane here soon. Coming up quick. I mean, we got, uh, Oh, just over three weeks until the military bowl. All right, guys, we will, uh, we'll talk soon. We'll let you all know when we are uh, getting ready to record again, we will not be going far. That's for sure. Um, until then go Hokies. (laughs) 